Today, folks, I want to welcome one of the brightest observers uh, of the Republican Party in the country, my friend Charlie Sykes, who, and I will let him give you his long and distinguished resume and the million things he has a, a hand in. Charlie and I are going to talk today about the thing that he and I and a group of other people have been pondering and agonizing over for the last, I don't know, seven years now. Where the hell is the Republican Party going? What's 2024 going to look like? And will we all plunge into a fiery pit of oblivion? There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. You're the president of the United States. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. (laughs) I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. Charlie, I am so, so grateful for you coming on the show today. And uh, and let's just get started. I believe we could say that today the cycle of disappointment has begun with Republican candidates either saying they won't run. Well, thanks for the invitation. I I, I had assumed that I wasn't being invited because I was on the enemies list. <laughs> no, sir. Right? So Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Okay, no, I thought I'd been added to your enemies you know, list. I, oh, people, people. The know. cycle of disappointment is 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 endless and it is cyclical. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's what I was I was thinking today. You know, we've seen two of the sort of aspirational hopes of the of the surviving vestiges of the old GOP uh, have their hearts broken today by Larry Hogan and and uh, Chris Sununu, both of whom were sort sort of teasing a race and oh no, don't worry, I'll support Trump if he's the nominee. I mean. <laughs> How much more heartbreak do we have ahead, Charlie, for the for the next two years? Well, I I, I hope you're well stocked up because I think it's going to be a grim two years. And you know, you were mentioning that we've been you know pondering this question for a while. You know, isn't it interesting that we mm-hmm. have been pondering this question for the last six years, and yet we wake up and <laughs> still go, "What the fuck is happening?" And it's not clear. I mean. The, maximum disappointment or some maximum outrage, something else happens, even though, look, you know, we are not spring chickens. We, we've seen this before again and again, and yet it still has the capacity to be soul crushing and to be disappointing. We, at, least, at, least, at least we share that. Exactly. At 59 years old, Charlie, I have devoted my entire adult life to, to politics and two thirds of that or three quarters of that was in Republican politics. And I, I still wake up, like you said, and go, what the hell is going wrong here? Why can't anyone wake up and say, oh God, we're on the wrong track. This is going to, what, no matter what sugar high uh, we're getting from Trump or Fox or, 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 or the, or the crazies on Twitter, um, it's going to lead to terrible outcomes. And I, I think, I think that is really like, the, the fundamental question now of anybody who still calls yeah. themselves never Trump yeah. or, or opposes the MAGA movement, it's like, I don't think we have as, we have a narrow audience now to talk to. It's not the whole party anymore. The whole party seems to have basically slipped into the warm bath of chaos. Oh, no, I, I, I think that's fair. And for people who think that we're naive about all of this, it's, it's a little bit like watching, you know, um, you know, a child walk up to a blazing hot stove, put their hand on that stove, having the stove, be, you know, having it burned, and then 
like an hour later, going back and doing it again and then doing it again. And be, because it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what's happened. And, and I think I, I think we've actually moved beyond the realm of politics to some uh, some deep level of human psychology. You know, how much pain do people really want to be subjected to? But uh, you're, you're right. And I, I, th- I think part of the problem is, is that we keep thinking that this is going to be the off ramp. OK, there's a certain exhaustion. I mean, look, we're exhausted mm-hmm. by this, right? Would you? At least I, I am occasionally by all of this, but but, I, 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 but at yeah, least we're sure. liberated that we don't have to defend the indefensible. Imagine waking up every day and thinking, "Okay, this is what this is, my life is about mm-hmm. advancing." Mm-hmm. You know, these people, and you look up and you see Donald Trump. You see this. <laughs> this amazing collection of misfits and miscreants and charlatans. And, and you tell yourself every day, Weirdos. okay, there's some larger point here, or maybe they'll go away and maybe they'll die. And yet the next day they're still there and the price keeps going up. You keep having to do more. What is it? I, one thing I'm, I'm watching right now play out is I feel like I'm, a, I'm in, Groundhog Day, watching a lot of our former colleagues and a lot of the American media replay 2016 and 2015 all over again. You're seeing the same thing, I'm sure. I mean, what is it? What is in their brains that has broken them so fundamentally that they think, well, you know, everyone's past Trump. He said so many outrageous things. He, He could never be elected. I mean, it's the same shit, different day. Okay, it's interesting you should say that because it's really in the last 48 hours that it's really sort of hit me that they're going to do this again, that we've seen this all before and that nothing has changed and no one has learned anything. I don't know about you, but it really is, it is kind of hitting me. And it's not, it's not just because it's Groundhog Day. And it, it, it is this sort of the magical thinking. And McKay Coppins wrote, writes about this in The Atlantic, where Republicans Brilliant are like, they're done with yep. Trump. You know, they want to move on from Trump. And their plan, when you ask them, well, what, what is your plan for moving on from Trump? Basically boils down to eh, maybe he'll die. Um, maybe a meteor will hit him. Something is going to happen, but, but we're, you know, something, something, something. And then we move on from Trump. And and so you have all these other candidates who are, you know, jostling to run. And you'll notice something that you will also seem familiar, Rick, that nobody actually wants to criticize Trump. I mean, look, let Larry Hogan, Chris Sununu, their lane is basically a, a bike lane to a dead end. I mean, you know, but even Ron DeSantis is sitting down there, you know, you know the great Florida man hope. And I, I, I was writing about this today, uh, you know, all these headlines, you know, DeSantis, you know, DeSantis punches back or he hits back. DeSantis hasn't said squat. And I can't imagine that he's going to. So right. the, here's the replicated, you know, replication of, of, of 2015 is everybody knows it's horrible. No one wants to be the guy that actually does something. They keep waiting for Godot. And mm-hmm. nobody wants to say anything negative about <laughs> Trump because they're so terrified of him. And so what is the scenario in which sanity prevails? And, and, I, and I, I have to tell you, Rick, I, that, you know, I would love to have a hopeful note here, but it is Groundhog Day and it does feel like 2016 uh, all over again. One other thing that feels like 2016 right now is that Donald Trump came out and would not commit to supporting the Republican candidate for president. 
That is the th- that is the same blackmail shit he sure. pulled in 2015 when he made Reince Priebus scuttle up to Trump Very Tower effective. with that phony looking like yep. Office Depot certificate. Like Donald Trump is the best ever. Signed Reince Priebus, our old friend Reince. <laughs> and it's just he's doing the same exact thing. And no one in the in the infrastructure of the political infrastructure of the GOP has figured out anything in seven years. In seven years, no that that was that was the key move. That was the beginning of uh, you know Reince Priebus, who you know I, I knew Reince pretty well. You knew Reince pretty well. Um, but that the, you and the I both fear knew that, Reince, that yeah, yeah. I mean the, the the fear that Donald Trump would uh, would burn it all down um, would just drove everything. It you know everybody had to have the hands off. They they had to you know go along with with him, and and he understands that that's key to holding the Republican Party hostage. And so of course he's going to play it sure. again. Because you know, this and, is basically the thing. It's either it's either me or it's chaos. And I don't at this point. What is the answer to that other than to brazen him or wait for the sweet meteor of death to take him out? I don't know. Even though a lot of states have sore loser laws, yeah. you know, even if Trump just sat in Mar-a-Lago and pissed and moaned all day on Twitter to his eighty-eight million Twitter followers, it could drive down Republican turnout a point or two. And that's all they need. And, I, and he will be back on Twitter eventually. Yeah, sure. And and if and even if he couldn't run because of sore loser laws, no one's figured this out yet. He would just put Don Jr. on the ballot in all those states, uh, just as the spoiler. And at that point, the GOP once again has to capitulate or die. Your job as a, as an elected official is not to put yourself in endless hostage situations; it's to lead. <laughs> it's just like they won't, they can't, and won't see a way out of it. Now, some of them do think there's a way out of it, and that and and if you if you have looked at our old friends at, at National Review lately, you would think it was Tiger Beat circa 1978. Oh yeah, um, talking about Sean Cassidy because it's like fanzine the 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 Ron DeSantis fan fiction at National Review and, and a couple of other places has gotten so breathless and so eager, and and the the big money Republican donors have gotten into the the, the headspace of. Ron DeSantis is the tallest, handsomest, smartest man to ever exist in politics. And those white boots are sexy. Mm-hmm. He's the one. He'll take out Trump. And what do you think about the DeSantis boomlet we're experiencing right now? As, as someone, and once again, somebody we both knew, as someone who, who went through the experience of the moment where Scott Walker was absolutely going to be president. Okay. So oh, I, I come back. To, I mean, I remember uh, when, when, when you know, President Rick Perry, you know, President uh, Fred Thompson, uh, oh yeah, Scott Walker. Hey, my old friend oh. President Giuliani. Hey, and by the way, I I want to make it very. I want to go on the record as saying that I did not think that Ron DeSantis's white boots were sexy. I did not find them sexy, so I just I want to recuse myself. From that. <laughs> um, but yes, I mean they 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 have put all of their their hopes and dreams in this guy who is completely untested on the national stage. Which I mean that ought to be a caution. We don't know. Can he throw a punch? Can he take a punch? Does he have a glass jaw? We don't know. Um, you know, you probably talked to members of never has thrown or taken before. And people who've worked with him in the past say, you know, um, he doesn't just play an asshole on TV. He really is one. So, I mean, maybe we're in an era. Oh no, he, he is an actual. Yeah. He's got a card, right? He's saying, you know, official asshole. Um, but I mean, how does that play? Mm -hmm. We, we don't, we don't know, but, but yeah, I mean, to, to his credit, he has assembled a very interesting anti-Trump coalition, which is basically the Trump coalition. He's got, he's got a lot of the crazies mm-hmm. on, on that. He's, you know, he's, he's got the grifters. He's got the Christopher oh, yeah. Rufos. He's, he's got people in, on, you know, social media who like him or would consider him to be acceptable all the way to the quasi intellectual establishment or the remnants of it. 
the tattered remnants mm-hmm. of it, um, you know, at National Review. Right. So, so none of them think of him um, as unacceptable uh, at, at, at the moment. But the fact is, we don't know. How is he going to react when Donald Trump unleashes the flying monkeys against globalist rhino Ron when he rewrites well, history? I, mean, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a bunch of wars on vaccination. I think Trump, and I, I, you know, I am never one to compliment Donald Trump, but I will point out when he's being crafty and, and wily, Donald Trump coming out in the last couple of weeks and saying, I'm not going to touch Social Security, yeah, Medicare, yeah, or Medicaid. Yeah. And he's starting to show some warning signs on the debt ceiling. Yeah, this is a guy who has a feral understanding of the GOP base. It's old and it's white and it piss, it's pissed off and it lives some some to some major degree on those on those benefit programs. And you know, Ron DeSantis is trying not to do a small government approach. He's trying to do a very big statist, big government approach to pleasing the vax wing. And the and the the anti-social justice wing of the Republican Party, which, what do you think about that? Let's say he he does make it through. He's really dug some deep holes for himself with African Americans, with gays, with with people who aren't like living and breathing the cancel culture libs of TikTok uh, feed every day. Well, see, this is the problem with the people you know the waiting for DeSantis people because. While he has clearly located the erogenous zone of the Republican base, he's doing it in such a way that's really going to be a problem in a general election. So, I mean, what is he doing? He's not going to allow himself to be outflanked um, by 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 Trump. On he's going to go after the you know he's going to go after gays. He's going to go after you know transsexuals. He's going to go after you know African American studies. All of these things. Um, you know, if cruelty is the point, well, I'm going to send migrants to uh, you know to to, to, Mar- to Martha's Vineyard. But, right. but so how does that play in the in the uh, in the suburbs of Philadelphia or Milwaukee or Detroit uh, in in a general election? I don't know. Interestingly enough, you want to talk about a bubble. I mean, the Republican Party has made itself such a hermetically sealed echo chamber that they talk oh, in a sure. code, in a language that is indecipherable for anyone outside of it. I mean, unless you spend time you know, listening to Tucker Carlson, a lot of the things they're talking about, a lot of things the Republicans in Congress are talking about are utterly incomprehensible to the average person. Now, Donald Trump is talking about things like Social Security and Medicare. And by the way, he, he got that back in, in 2016. So that probably shouldn't be an issue any longer. Um, but but this, is the, this is the problem the Republicans have. In order to get the nomination, you have to talk in that sort of, you know, that, that gibberish, the, I'm looking for the word that I'm looking, you know, glossolalia, when, when it was speaking in tongues. What is, what, yeah, glossolalia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's, it is. And it's, it's, you have to handle it's been like a linguistic drift in, in the culture. Right. And then you have to convince <laughs> right. people that you're, that you're normal. <laughs> You know, <laughs> got right. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's the funny part about about DeSantis is he's out there right now raising a lot of money mm-hmm. from these hedge fund bros and these big insurance companies in 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 New York. Um, and I talked to someone the other day that you know said DeSantis is making deals with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and going in the room and basically saying, "I will trick the rubes for you. Don't worry. Um, just." Just stick with me. I've got this on hand, and I will yeah. be a normal. I mean, and they they play this game with themselves over and over again, and they don't. They, I don't think any of them understand it. They're passengers now. 
with the with the base of the party. Yeah. We used to write we used to conduct the train and yeah. now they're dragged along behind it. And and you know, he is he is really trying to be I'm a family guy um, and I'm I, my wife is brilliant and I'm going to be a, a, a strong leader in Washington and I'll take care of, you know, making sure that we keep the financial services industry in good shape and it'll all be fine. Don't worry about the fact that I can't make my press secretary denounce Nazis who campaign, uh, you know, around my events. I can't make my I can't make <sighs> my my surgeon general stop talking about ivermectin for fuck's sake. Yeah, this is um, so. No, I, I I just think it's an interesting, it, pro- a really interesting problem. Well, and and your your point there can't be emphasized too strongly. Is the leaders of the party now the quote unquote leaders are all followers now? They they are all um, sitting there, you know, you know, with their ears glued to the you know the talk radio, going, you know, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Um, because that, that's where they're getting all their cues. Yeah, right. And and so there's a cartoon quality about what DeSantis is doing. It's like, you know, he, he has somebody, you know, listen to yes. social, you know, read social media, you know, watch OAN and Newsmax and like, what is getting people excited? And he goes down and, well, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that. And and so all of these things are, are mm-hmm. well-crafted to win a Republican primary. I'm not sure how it plays outside of, of Florida. And, and again, his personality is not a plus. Now, having said that, Rick, and I don't know what your position in this is, if it came down to the Wisconsin primary between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, I would do what I did back in 2016, and I would bear hug Satan mm-hmm. in order to stop Donald Trump. I would vote for DeSantis. <laughs> and let me explain why, because I... Um, not because I want DeSantis to be sure, president, no, 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 no. but because I do think that Donald Trump still is, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, he is a unique menace. He is a unique threat that no matter how horrible, yes. in all of the, the yes. parades of horribles, he stands alone. And so just being truly horrible, like, for example, in 2016, Ted Cruz was just normally truly horrible as opposed to the uniquely horrible. Right. And I he was I hate- basic bitch ugg boot pumpkin spice latte horrible, not yeah. not actually Satan. Yeah. So <laughs> well but I, I'm thinking of, of DeSantis is I mean I, I will I would support DeSantis to stop Trump, but I mean this is where we're at. I, I I'm not naive enough to think that the choice is going to come down between Donald Trump and some reasonable human being who might actually be a good president. That's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen probably for you, know, you and I, I, well, at least for me in, in my lifetime, you're a young guy. So you, you may, you may live to see this from the mountaintop. You may live to see the promised land. I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I will see it after I'm uploaded to the metaverse. <laughs> As a listener to this podcast, you know, democracy is in danger in America and beyond. This Titanic challenge requires a powerful response. And that's why Resolute Square was founded. The Enemies List is part of the Resolute Square family. We're a pro-democracy network. The Enemies List is just one part of Resolute Square's pro-democracy content and coverage. Our members get particularly exciting benefits. Exclusive live roundtable discussions with me, Joe Trippi, Reed Galen, Stuart Stevens, and Tara Setmayer. In those discussions, you can ask us questions directly, as if you are in the room at a campaign strategy session. In these sessions, we'll give folks answers on how to fight back against the crazy, how to push back against the MAGA media, and how to communicate effectively in the battle for our democracy. 
We're building a new arsenal for democracy, and we could use your support. Head over to ResoluteSquare.com slash enemies to let the world know where you stand. Everybody's got a morning ritual. I know I do. And I want to feel like I'm getting my day going. I want to feel like I'm moving. And more than coffee sometimes, it's making sure you're clean, squared away, put together. You can get your day started by upping your shave game with Harry's sleekest razor yet, the craft handle. I like to use it because I've got to shave this giant dome of mine every day. So I got to keep it shiny. I have a beard, but I keep my neck clean front and back, do all the miscellaneous trimming. And the new craft handle, it actually is a lot more precision, at least that I found, with the new grip. I really like it a lot. You'll be getting quality shaving for a really amazing price. For now, they're offering the craft handle starter set for 10 bucks. It's a $17 value. So this is something you really should try. And if you don't like it, it's on them, guys. They stand behind the product. They guarantee it. How can you get a hold of the craft handle, the latest, greatest from Harry's? It's simple. Get it delivered to your door for 10 bucks at harrys.com slash enemies list. That's harrys.com slash enemies list. What do you think about DeSantis? What do you think about? So I, I look at the two big scenarios. One is, and this has been getting a lot of talk the last few days also, the large field scenario, which I think Donald Trump is very advantaged by a large field. Yeah. You know, you divide up the non-Trump vote, three, four, five, 10, 20% here and there, and the ball game, you know, yeah, right. it, Trump wins every primary with a plurality maybe, but but probably even more than that. The second scenario is the smaller field where it's Trump, DeSantis, and three or four others. And I still think it, I still think Trump has the advantage in that field, maybe slightly less. But don't you think all these other Republicans are still going to have that fear factor? So Nikki Haley is going to go at Ron DeSantis every day and pretty much pretend Trump isn't in the race. They're all going to look to knock off the, the, the they're going to look, look to knock off the prince uh, and hope well, the king dies of a heart attack. Well, no, and and this is the Groundhog Day thing because you remember back in 2016. What was the role that Chris Christie played? Chris Christie was oh, yeah. running for president. People, nobody remembers this now. No. When he was running. Uh-huh. And what did he do? He took out Marco Rubio. Jeb Bush wanted to take out Marco uh-huh. Rubio. Rubio was going, again, they, they figured they would take, so that they would be the last man standing. And of course, this made, you know, obviously this made sense to them. Ultimately, it made no sense whatsoever. But Nikki Haley, have you noticed the tell with Nikki Haley? Who's, by the way, sort of been a pinwheel on where, where she stands mm-hmm. on Donald Trump. The tell is that Donald Trump is does not have mm-hmm. a problem with her running. You know, he says that uh, they talk. Correct. And he encouraged her to run. And um, she's not saying anything bad about him. And so Donald Trump, from his point of view, the more the merrier, the more, you know, the non-Trump people out there, especially if it's somebody like Nikki Haley, who he can absolutely count on, will never attack him, will never say anything negative. She poses no threat to Donald Trump. DeSantis poses a threat. Right. So he's going to try to kill him. But Nikki Haley is 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 kind of a stalking horse there. So yes, I mean, Donald Trump, um, the, the scenario, the best scenario for Donald Trump is you have eight, eight guys stroking their egos on the stage and he, uh, you know, uh, gets 35, 30, 35% of the vote and uh, sweeps all of those yep. early winner take all primaries. And then you know what happens, Rick? All the lemmings try to get back on the ship to mix the metaphors, the, you know. The lemmings climb up the hill again, you know. There's something I call the growth cycle of the of the Republican mega donor, uh, and it played out this way in 16. It's going to play out now. The Republican mega donors right now are like, Ron DeSantis is my man. I'm never leaving him. He's yep. the best candidate. He'll mm-hmm. save us. And then as Trump starts to win primaries, it'll be, 
I'm sticking with Ron for sure, mm -hmm. but obviously right. we have an open mind. We can't have communism in this country. So, you know, and then it'll be, Mr. Trump, where can I wire my million dollars? Because that's how they operated, exactly well, how they operated in 16. I mean, yeah, well, exactly. I was saying that's not speculation. That's a, because let's, let's just go back in our little time machine to 2015, 2016. Yep. You know, think about all of the mega donors who are like, Rick, what can I do to stop Donald Trump? This is crazy. We can't have Donald I sat Trump. A, I'm not I going sat to with, a, with Donald Trump. I sat with yeah. a hundred of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm triggering you. You are. My PTSD is roaring. It's like, you know, they call me like, listen, my legislative guy said I had to. We're going to get fucked if we don't. I got to yeah. get on the bus. This is terrible. I hate it. We're never going to do. And then like, like oh, one of them with the. the had given to Jeb and then gave to a couple of super PACs I was involved in. And he was so <laughs> angry about Trump. And then I see a picture of him and his wife at the fucking inauguration. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a pillar of moral rectitude, my friend. But yeah, they, they will. They, I think that, that, I mean, no, that back on the boom exactly question, like that. I mean, DeSantis is, he's the hot flavor right now. I mean, look, let's remember Jeb Bush had $200 million in 2016. They incinerated it in a fucking bonfire, uh, going after Marco with a with a lot of it, and and, and it's like, so the money DeSantis has right now is state money. Some of it's fungible, most of it's not. Um, and even if he starts raising money, the minute you start a presidential campaign as a normal human being, not named Donald Trump, you have to spend it. The cash register never closes once you start campaigning, and I, I think we're going to see. Weirdly, Trump raised less and spend less than he probably did in the 16 primary, but it won't matter. Yeah, and he's there already in their heads. Well, and and, and also the question is, what are they going to run on? I mean, is is you know, Ron DeSantis right now is basically looking up and saying, "Scoreboard, I won. You didn't, you know, win." How many times can he say that? How many times can you you run a campaign just saying we need to turn the page? I don't know. I mean, among Democratic primary voters in, in 2020, they were very pragmatic, weren't they? They they looked around. They said, we we, sure. we want to have a nominee who can win. Now, somebody asked me this question. So will Republican voters, you know, how important will electability be for them? Well, will they be pragmatic or are they going to go, no, he's our guy. Um, he is our king in exile. And are they going to vote emotionally? I don't think the Republican primary voters uh, are going to act like the Democratic primary voters, and also here's something that I don't think that I don't think that people outside of our world fully understand when we talk about Donald Trump being a loser and um, you know his diminished stature because of right. his losses. There are tens of millions of people, Rick, who don't believe he lost, who believe that he won that election, that Correct. he is the rightful president and must be restored to his golden throne because this was the worst injustice, the worst crime in American history. And you cannot talk them out of it. You cannot reason them out of it. And no I one mean, running for the Republican nomination is going to try to do that. And the thing, a number that shocked me recently, we saw some survey work internally come back. It's like 70% think the election was stolen from Trump. That's insanity. That that and, and what happened? What do you think happens when there's a debate? One of these first debates and debates, folks, are starting about six months from now. Good luck. What do you think happens when they when they're on the debate stage and they yeah. all they're all gonna have a clever answer for it, but they're gonna be asked by the moderators, 
Was the election stolen in 2020? Is Joe Biden the legitimate president of the United States? Should Donald Trump be restored to the presidency right now? Yeah. And they're all going to say like, well, Biden is president and I've got a plan for the future. But Trump will not let them off the fucking hook on that. I promise you. No. And there's a number of those things. He will... Look, uh, you talked about his feral instinct. He will set the bar. He will he will demand certain litmus tests. You know, I take this position. Will you take this position? And he'll force them all to agree with him. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I wrote right. something earlier this week about uh, you know the the new brut- the, the new brutality. The cruelty is not enough anymore, so you have to go to brutality. So his new thing yes, right. is that he's proposing that. Yep. Um, that we be more like China. So much for American exceptionalism. That we uh, we arrest drug dealers and try them in summary trials that lasted a couple of hours, and then kill them the same day, and then send the bullets to their families. Okay, right. I could certainly imagine him saying, "This is mm-hmm. my plan for dealing with <laughs> drug dealers. What's your plan, Ron DeSantis? Do you want a blue ribbon commission, or you know, do you want to have like a long trial, that sort of thing?" Like, wait, so are you going to have to match right. him? Um, although, or, you know, before he you tells let you, the drug dealers by the keep, way, keep I, threatening our, our children. That's right. Ron DeSantis, weak on drugs. Now, so <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought it was in Rich Lowry had one of his uh, fanzine wish casting pieces in Politico where he said, you know, he was talking about the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Trump trying to engage in revisionist history about uh, how, how tough DeSantis was right. dealing with the, with, with the pandemic and essentially saying, wow, he'll need all of his political skills to get away with this. And I, I don't know what you thought. My, I rolled my eyes as, have you been paying attention over the last six years? I know. Because we know how discerning and savvy right. the Republican base is about these things. You know, There are still people who believe that you should put a UV light up your ass. I'm sure that the Republican base, I, I don't think that they're, they're they're high on my list of not gullible. <laughs> well, well, don't mock that until you've tried it, Rick. <laughs> God, I wish my life would be so much easier. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, Charlie, let's let's draw out one more scenario, yeah. and then and then I want to ask you some one part one more scenario. Then I want to draw to ask you a couple of party quick parting things. What does it look like in January of 2025 when Donald Trump is up there on the West Portico getting sworn in? For the for the Republican Party and for the country, what do you see ahead from your Why from you your villa in Portugal this? at that point? I presume. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah. Because I'm a ray of sunshine. You know, it, it, oh. Okay, so you were talking about when I triggered you on PTSD. I I, I have a memory from 2016 when, of course, like mm-hmm. like every other rube, I was assuming that Donald Trump would never be elected president and what was going to happen. And I think I was being I was in a studio. I was being interviewed by somebody from the BBC or something. And we were talking about, well, what happens after the election and everything? Mm-hmm. And then he says, well, what happens if Donald Trump is elected and becomes president? And you've known me for a long time, Rick. And, and I have to say, mm-hmm. there was a very long pause. For the very first time in a long time, I, was, I had nothing. I, I just remember that moment going, I, this had never occurred to me. I had never thought about this. And then, of course, mm-hmm. we know what happened there. You know, what would it be like? Well, um, a second Trump presidency would be so much more horrible than the first Trump president. I mean, if you thought the first Trump presidency was <laughs> was a dumpster fire, um, imagine when you know. Imagine when he's figured out exactly what he can burn and how he can do it. 
imagine the kinds of people who would be attracted to that bonfire of vengeance that would be the Trump presidency. And if he gets elected, he would very likely have a Republican Senate, which, of course, would mm-hmm. not be a check on him in any way whatsoever, <laughs> and probably a Republican House. Um, it's such a horrible, it's such a horrible scenario. And, and, but here's the caution. And I know you'll, you'll follow this because I, I, you know, I do some of these cable shows where everybody sits around saying, well, this is bad for the Republicans. This is bad for the Republicans. Well, this is good for the Democrats. And I was on a show yesterday and I said, guys, I want to just, you know, have a cautionary note that anyone who, any, anyone who gets the nomination of a major political party in our country these days has a chance to be elected president. And just because you think it is unthinkable does not mean that it will not happen. And we ought to realize this exactly. after 2016. So all the people <laughs> saying, well, if Trump gets the nomination, there's no way he'll be elected. He's unelectable. And just, um, no, uh, in an evenly divided country that might be going into recession, um, other events are out there. We have a very elderly incumbent president. It is not impossible that he mm-hmm. could do that. And um, how dark do you want me to get? Um, can you imagine that moment? Well, I mean, look, I, I think that, no, I, I do imagine it a lot. I do imagine a lot. Well, Charlie, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show today and uh, for giving us your wisdom and your insight. Tell folks where they can reach you. Tell them about the bulwark and, uh, yeah. and where they can reach you on social media. And uh, and the, uh, you do something like 800 different things. So I want to make sure that you uh, you get a chance to, to, to let folks know oh, where to find you. Oh, it only looks like that. Okay, so um, I'm, I do the Bulwark podcast every day. That's something I do every day, believe it or not. We do the Bulwark podcast five days a week. Damn, um, son. At the Bulwark. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Um, but also, I also do a newsletter uh, five days a week. So uh, if you subscribe to Bulwark, uh, you can get morning shots every morning uh, in, in your, e-box, in, in your uh, email box. Uh, we have the Bulwark podcast. We, of course, have a lot of other things on the, on the Bulwark as well, other podcasts. Uh, live streams. Um, and, you know, we want to be that little bastion of sanity standing athwart history saying, you can't be serious, uh, people. I occasionally show up on MSNBC as well. And I have not yet because I am, you know, my, my life would be a lot better if I was not on Twitter, but I am, I'm sticking it out until the, uh, the, the Musk Armageddon actually hits, so I'm at uh, you know at Sykes until the Hellbird attacks. <laughs> th- that's that that's that's right. Good. So um, please subscribe to my newsletter, listen to our podcast, and just hope for the best for democracy. Well, Charlie, thank you once again for coming on today. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Okay, I have to get you back on the podcast too. So we got to we got to do this, you know. Uh, hey, let me know, brother. Play, Rick. Say the say the word. Now. Okay. I I am your Huckleberry. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right, man. The people on the enemies list today are a lot of, I think, very conventional wisdom DC media folks today. We saw. The jobs report is absolutely spectacular. 500,000 jobs. We are at basically full employment. Every economic number is trending in the correct direction. Energy prices coming down. Food prices coming down. Inflation dropping quickly. All the things that are going to set the political predicate at an underlying way for 2024 are moving in the right direction. And Joe Biden deserves a lot of the credit. Is he getting the credit? No. 
it's like every it's like every fucking reporter today in the in the coverage of the story was reading from the New York Times pitch bot and finding the way to say record employment. How is this bad for Biden? Guys, you don't have to play this game with every single issue. You don't have to listen to the countervailing wisdom on everything. Sometimes the conventional wisdom is correct. This is good economic news. We're having a good day in America. This is good for people. And the fact that we're avoiding an economic collapse, the fact that, that we've come through the travails of the Trump years and COVID, and now we're on a solid economic glide slope, it looks like the chances of recession are receding, inflation is receding. The country's kind of in a sweet spot right now, and we should be doing and thinking a lot more about why that's a good thing. This is a show where it's occasionally dark. I get it. A friend of mine yesterday said, you know, I used to love your show with Molly Junk Fast. It was all banter all the time. And I, I loved it too. I love Molly. We had a great time together on that show. But we kind of live in a different world now. And it's a, it's a bit of a darker world in some ways. And I, I hope that it's not too ponderous around here for you. because. Um, but you've got to call the bullshit sometimes. You've got to just say, I can read the language and the talking points that are being pushed out by the Republicans today. I've written the same kind of shit in the past where you looked at any economic story if a, if a Democrat was in office and you turned it into a nightmare. This is a hard one to turn into a nightmare, but DC reporters are sure doing their best to do that today. So you're on the enemies list. Please get your shit together. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the enemies list. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at the Rick Wilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list.